Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a show that explores trends in security and technology and how they affect us as humans. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, papers, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30 minute summary with analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as standalone episodes that are either me exploring an idea or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold to give you a concise update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. In this standalone episode, I'll be reading my essay titled, Our Lighted Path to Totalitarianism, How Five Trends Seem to Naturally Guide Civilizations Towards Totalitarianism as They Progress. I think there are five natural trends that are pushing us and every other civilization towards totalitarianism. Technology magnifying the distance between the rich and the poor. Demographic groups attributing their decline to immigrants and others. Technology making it easier to acquire weapons of mass destruction. The increased need to monitor the masses for terrorist activity. And the rise of the surveillance industrial complex that links capitalism and government in centralized monitoring of the population. I'm actually not blaming anyone for this. I wish I were. What I'm saying is much worse. I'm saying these trends each seem to happen naturally as civilizations develop, not just on Earth, but maybe on most planets with similar conditions. However evolution starts and develops on a given planet, seems like there could be certain constants, such as competition for resources and natural selection in some form, which then lead to the advancement that brings us to this dangerous confluence. I think these are universal enough that, regardless of planet or civilization, as these variables start to interact with each other, they either lead to the destruction of the civilization, or they require an authority to step in and exert control. Let's walk through how I see this progression playing out. And keep in mind, this seems like it should be a universal. Again, we don't know what's happening on other planets, or even if there is life on other planets. But these five concepts seem so universal in any sort of ecosystem of life that is competing. So here's how I see it breaking down. One, Thomas Piketty showed that income inequality happens naturally, and it's only brought back into parity through three different ways, war, famine, and disease. Two, the advance of technology magnifies this inequality, leading to even more distance between the working class and the rich. Three, this distance produces extreme anger frustration, and depression in the masses, and causes them to cohere into factions based not on ideas, but on race and on religion. And this, in turn, inspires a continuous stream of populist leaders eager to harness that anger. 4. Meanwhile, that same technology also makes our weapons more dangerous, and as science and knowledge penetrates into the masses, it eventually becomes rather easy for small groups on any side of these populist conflicts, with a few smart people, 
to make extremely dangerous chemical or biological weapons, or to get a hold of state-sponsored nuclear weapons. Five, as this threat grows, governments will have no choice but to install extensive monitoring capabilities to look at people's intentions, capabilities, etc. This is a pressure very similar to war itself, which will drive extreme innovation in the private sector, leading to the rise of the surveillance industrial complex. And six, as the last step, populist anger mixes with an all-seeing and all-powerful centralized government. And this takes us either to techno-Stalinism or techno-fascism, which end up looking rather similar. Again, there's actually nobody to blame here. It seems logical that this could be the natural path of evolutionary progress, and not just on Earth. And I think abstracting it in that way is actually useful. It means it's not the fault of the technology or the immigrants or the corporations or the people who got lucky and got rich. This abstraction lets us step out of the story and look down at it from above. Scientists recently estimated that there are around 6 billion Earth-like planets in just our Milky Way, which is a rather unimpressive galaxy. So we have an unimpressive galaxy, 6 billion Earth-like planets. And the current estimate for the number of galaxies in our universe is 2 trillion. So 6 billion times 2 trillion Earths out there. Somewhere on their path towards the same set of these five problems as they advance. So, how many of them will survive? Imagine you're an omniscient being looking down at these six billion times two trillion Earth like planets, and you're running some metrics for your boss. What percentage of those civilizations reset themselves via nuclear, biological, or chemical warfare. How many times did they reset themselves? Do we, do we have a bunch of planets out there that are on their fifth iteration and they've destroyed themselves four other times? How many are currently running in totalitarian regimes with suffering populations? Because that was the only way to avoid that destruction. And here's the real metric. How many made it through to a dynamic of equality and curiosity and happiness. Or in our terms, how many fizzled out? How many destroyed themselves with nuclear or biological warfare? And how many ended up with Brave New World or 1984? And how many made it to Star Trek, the next generation? In other words, how many were able to see these trends, look at them, see where they're heading, where they're taking us, and then make adjustments that took them to a place of love and exploration. I'm guessing very few. And maybe this explains the Fermi paradox, which is the weird conundrum of having so many Earth-like planets potentially out there, and yet we haven't heard from any of them. This is the way our world leaders should look at things, even if our conjecture about other Earth-like planets is little more than guessing at this point. If we are going to have any chance of threading the needle here and arriving at Star Trek, 
as opposed to pretty much every other option that's available and horrible. We need to see the entire planet as playing the same game with all of us on the same side. The opponent is not some ugly alien race. It's ourselves and probabilities that are stacked up against us. To survive this bursting convergence of technology, inequality, and populism, we must come together as humans on this planet. We must unify and evolve. The alternatives are as obvious as they are terrifying. All right, so that's the essay. And I did have a couple of notes here. I mentioned number one, you know what's not on the list of trends in the chart here? There's a chart, by the way, for the blog post itself. The advance of AI that potentially leads to AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which means, you know, singularity happens, intelligence becomes superhuman, and uh, they basically take everything over. And that raises a separate question, which is how many of these planets that we're talking about here? So again, 6 billion times 2 trillion, how many of those planets are now run by AIs or AGIs, you know, in some combination of just an absolute hellscape for humans? Maybe we're stuck in some kind of virtual reality, which is literally hell, or maybe it's just going great and they are the overseers and we are basically hooked up like the matrix and we're being fed endorphins or whatever. It's got to be some large percentage, I, I would imagine, of the non-dead Earths, the ones who aren't, you know, reset from weapons or whatever. There's got to be some significant percentage who made it all the way through to AI. And at that point, they either just surrendered to them, uh, kind of gave up, seems somewhat unlikely, depending on the maturity of the race, but could have simply merged with them, you know, started off as cyborgs ended up as some sort of hybrid and then just migrated all the way over and kind of purged the old organic matter. Or it could have been something much worse where it was, you know, there was conflict and the machines won or whatever. So there's probably a massive spectrum. And this of course is assuming that there are a bunch of planets out there and they're going through similar evolution to us. I mean, it is a little bit arrogant to assume that, you know, Evolution is going to happen the same way for them as it does for us, but I don't think anyone would say that it's going to happen the same way, but it seems like it would rhyme <laughs> with what's happening to us. And the second note I have here is just that obviously the data in the charts is made up. It's only there to show the lines converging in the top right. So I basically have a chart here that shows trends moving to the right and going up should definitely check out the chart on the site when you get a chance. I think it's a pretty cool visual. But the lines themselves and how they progress, I mean, that's not data. It's, it's made up. It's just for the point of showing in the top right that they do start to come together. So don't read into it. Wasn't trying to claim it was science or anything like that. And same with the planetary numbers. I got a pretty interesting little chart there. Looks kind of like a corporate security metrics or technology metrics. It's just broken down in that weird little fictional thing that I did in the essay. So anyway, those are the two thoughts I had. I didn't want to put the AI stuff in the piece itself because it felt like it was too heavy on its own. It would kind of distract from the main point. But 
Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. The show is not supported by ads because I think they're annoying and toxic to the future of content creation. So if you enjoy the show, you can support it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. Members get quite a few things. Most notably, they get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we have great conversations happening all week long. And members also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmeisler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. I truly appreciate every one of you. We'll see you next time.